And here we go. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson, Jace Brown, and Max Pennell joining you on a Thursday night. Thank you so much for joining us. 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join us as we have a loaded second hour ahead of us as we talk about EA Sports College Football has been officially announced today. Um, college football fans can rejoice. Um, some drama in the booth um, at the NFL level. We'll talk about that, that at the end of the hour. But first, we talk about Steve Wilkes being the possible scapegoat for the 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers and defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes have agreed to part ways, Coach Kyle, Han- Kyle Shanahan announced. Quote, it just ended up not being the right fit. Shanahan said, quote, it was harder than it needed to be. Uh, The 49ers hired Wilkes ahead of the 2023 season after D'Amico Ryans left to coach the Houston Texans. Uh, Wilkes came to San Francisco after finishing the 2022 NFL season as the interim coach for the Carolina Panthers. San Francisco allowed the third fewest points per game this season, 17 and a half. However, The 49ers ranked number one in EPA per play in 2022 under D'Amico Ryans before dropping to number 12 this season. Also, their run defense took the most severe tumble of them all from number two last year to number 26 this year. Um, Or, excuse me, from number two to number, yes, number 26 uh, to number 12 this season. Uh, Their run defense, uh, oh my gosh, I'm I'm mixing up all my notes here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> From two to 26 this year. Sorry, I've got so many notes over here looking looking at too many things. Um, but also, it's important to note at the midseason, um, after the 49ers had given up big passing performances to quarterbacks Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow, uh, Shanahan forced Wilkes to move from the booth to the field during games. Uh, San Francisco defense improved around then with a return back to some of its previous basics. But the stretch of the season saw another regression. Uh, We all remember the 49ers-Lions game. Uh, The 49ers allowed 148 rushing yards in the first half of the NFC title game. Um, So obviously um, there were some ugly performances this season from the defense, and I think Shanahan's frustrations peaked um, due to some soft coverage in the Super Bowl. Uh, Was moving on from Wilkes justified? Max, we'll begin with you. I'm not sure if justified is the right word I would use. I think he did, you know, I think 80% of NFL teams would take the job he did with that defense. But when you're a team that the expectation is to win a Super Bowl and you haven't done that in, you know, the five-year window really with Shanahan that's been in place, um, someone's got to be the fall guy. And I don't think they were, because of what's transpired the last two seasons, I think they kind of felt like we can't just keep rolling it back and expecting a different outcome. So something's got to give. Uh, Steve Wilkes is a very good coach, uh, at least as a defensive coordinator. Um, I'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere and do a pretty good job. Mm. But I have no issue with it. I think also some of it was beyond him. I think some of their personnel played a little under their you know, standards. A guy like Eric Armstead, who has been really good for them, not as effective this year. Mm-hmm. Javon Hardgrave, a guy they gave a lot of money to, still good but not elite like he was with Philadelphia. Um, Chase Young, not the guy that – the outside of the really the Super Bowl the first half yeah. the production they got from him was kind of non-existent which I don't think is Wilkes' fault per se, um, but I do think like I said there there's got to be some change you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and mm. you know the Bills for example they fired Ken Dorsey this year was their offense still solid yes and I think Ken, there's a reason Ken Dorsey just got hired somewhere else but same thing they just were like there's got to be some kind of change here hopefully that reinvigorates us. Uh, 
and that kind of feels like this move with the with the Niners. And I don't think it was one game. I don't think the Super Bowl game plan lost him his job. I think it was kind of a culmination. And really, I think his performances against Detroit and Green Bay was probably more alarming than what they did in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say fully justified uh, again. Uh, I, I think some of it does fall on personnel not living up to uh, the expectation of what they're being paid, at least. Uh, I, I felt like it's a pretty short leash to get in there one year uh, and be able to at least be a part of a team that takes it takes uh, their chance at the Super Bowl, goes into overtime and still loses. Uh, you know, I, I think overall it wasn't a horrible defense this year. Again, only allowed the third or uh, allowed the third least points per game. Uh, now the run game, yeah, I, there are some problems there, but I, I don't think one aspect uh, that can be improved uh, is just one reason to take it down. But uh, I, I think the steady decline, uh, like like you said, kind of. I guess swayed the opinions here. Uh, the run, just the run defense late, especially in the postseason, like y'all brought up, uh, was pretty ugly. Uh, but I, I don't think that was like fully enough for me to be convinced that he should not be uh, the DC there next year. I think this is a little bit of a heat of the moment kind of firing. Right. Uh, obviously, coming off a a very tough loss to Kansas City in a game where you had multiple opportunities to put that game away or win. Um, and and you, you were unable to. I thought in the first half of the Super Bowl, uh, the 49ers did a really good job of making Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable, but anytime you play a quarterback of his caliber, you have to be able to throw something different once they adjust, and or once Mahomes adjusts, and, and they were not able to do that. Um, and, and a couple of those setups they had um, where they really just play soft coverage um, on, on a couple of those situations where the Chiefs would get six – five to six yards easily and have the opportunity to have a third and manageable situation compared to a, a, a third and long. And then, and then they did that a couple of times. Um, and I just think overall the second half game plan wasn't great for the 49ers um, defensively. And I think at its peak, um, I think all the frustrations that Shanahan had um, kind of resulted in that. Also, remember during the game, there was one situation where Shanahan ran out and called timeout on the defensive side of the ball because he didn't like what Wilkes had out there. Um, so I think there was a little bit of a um, a trust issue there. I don't know if Shanahan completely trusted everything Wilkes was throwing out, um, especially in the big game uh, where the margin of error is so small. Um, a moment like that is where you can kind of point and say, okay, maybe there's not a whole lot of trust here. So um, it definitely declined this year, and, and I don't know where you, I guess, point the finger there. Um, but, you know, losing Greenlaw in the Super Bowl definitely did not Big. help Wilkes yeah. out because um, then that allowed for the Chiefs to match up one-on-one with um, Greenlaw's replacement, and usually it'd be in man coverage against Travis Kelsey, which is a huge mismatch. Um, is it justified? I see the reasons why. I don't know if it's necessarily justified considering the timing and the heat that Shanahan has been getting, um, but I-, I do understand taking that drop-off very similar the Milwaukee Bucks hired, fired Adrian Griffin because mm-hmm. the Bucks defense took a huge step back. Um, so I understand it. I don't know if it's necessarily justified, however. Um, does the timing of this, however, uh, make it seem like Wilkes is the scapegoat for Shanahan's malpractices in the Super Bowl? And, and a quick reference I give is to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and now, granted, their coordinators did not do the best job either at times this season. Matt Patricia was a tire fire. Um, Brian Johnson had some really poor play calls. But I think, you know, as a head coach, if you're only as good as your coordinators, and that's a problem. And I think Sirianni 
looking at the way they took a step down this year after um, Steichen goes to the Colts um, and the the defense coordinator slipped my mind that went to the Cardinals. Um, but, um, you know, they fire their guys this year. They fire all their coordinators. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a scapegoat, I think, for the root problem of Sirianni. Uh, is, is Wilkes the scapegoat for Shanahan here? Max? No, I don't think so. I think it can be viewed that way, but naturally a team's not going to fire someone until the season's over uh, when you're 14-3. and three. I know the Eagles, that was kind of a rare exception. Um, their defense was so poor. The Niners' defense wasn't on that level this year, but if you look across the league, there's been coordinators. The, the Browns moved on from their offensive coordinator after the year. Their offense was pretty good considering mm-hmm. you know Joe Flacco, a 39-year-old Flacco, is at the helm. Um, but those, those hirings and firings generally are not going to come till after the season, so this is when it would take place. Um, you know, Maybe because it came out this week instead of next week, it looks a little worse that, oh, mm-hmm. man, he's the fall guy for their loss. But generally I would say that's just kind of the standard operating procedure for NFL teams. And also I think considering the rest of the leads had a whole month on them to hire people, hire coordinators, they probably want to get started on that process as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so nobody else, you know, hires someone a, as a positional coach or something before the Niners have a chance to bring them in as DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, again, yeah, kind of like you said, I wouldn't put this fully as a scapegoat. I, I think there might be some uh, mechanics within it that might lean towards that. Uh, just just because the history of Kyle Shanahan in the playoffs and not getting over the hump uh, and being able to take home a ring anywhere uh, is a little questionable. Because what wasn't he there for that Falcons? Just just absolute fallout or was Shanahan? that yeah yes yeah he was there for that uh he, he lost it to uh Mahomes uh I think in 2019 2020 whichever year that was uh and then had it happen again uh where, where you're up and then you, it just slips from your grasp because you can't uh change along with the changing defense on the other end uh but I mean if you go just back to the Super Bowl itself, I mean, seven of those points uh, that the 49ers gave up, you could mark that on the special teams uh, from from that muff punt. Uh, and you could also sort of put it on the extra point that got blocked too. So, I mean, uh, I wouldn't put that loss fully on – uh, the 49ers, not that he's doing, not that the organization is doing that. Uh, but I, I think the look from that point of view, I think it kind of looks that way. I don't think it's fully feeling that way for the organization. I think the look of it is bad, and I think it's bad timing. Mm-hmm. However, I think the root problem here is hiring Wilkes, who was not the best fit to be a defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Wilkes has a lot of experience with defensive backs and corners. And the 49ers focus a lot on their front seven um, with Fred Warner, with Greenlaw, with Bosa up front. That's what they focus on. And I think it was a little bit of a tough matchup already uh, for Wilkes coming in. And it didn't work out, so now he gets fired. But with all this, with all the criticism Shanahan has faced, I do think it's bad timing. Now, I know there's never a great time to fire someone, and usually you fire someone at the end of the season. Um, however... I feel like Shanahan has been in the the news cycle ever since the game uh, went final, and now this kind of brings up a different storyline to talk about with the 49ers coaches that isn't him. And I know it's not his decision to make this this you know make this firing now. However, um, I do think it does look bad, but I think the root problem is that you hired a um, an ill-fitting defense defensive coordinator here. Hmm. Um, Let's talk about who the 49ers could possibly re- replace. Now, you have a couple options out there with coaches that were fired this season, um, like a uh, Pete Carroll, like a Bill Belichick. 
Um, would they possibly entertain the opportunity to come in and coach this team? Max, we'll begin with you. I don't think – I also throw Vrabel in that conversation Vrabel, as yes, well. Vrabel, yeah. Vrabel. I don't think those guys would do that because I think – you look at all three of those guys, they're defensive-minded coaches. The league is obviously prioritizing offensive hires. Um, so I think how does that help their stock? If, if I'm Mike Vrabel, if I'm Pete Carroll – whether they turned down, I don't think we have a ton of clarity on if those guys turned down jobs or if they just chose other te- teams went the other way. Um, but either way, I, I, maybe Pete Carroll not as much. He's older, but a guy like Belichick and Vrabel that wants to still be a head coach, if they go there, to me, it's kind of a lose lose. If you do well with the defense, you're still facing the same scrutiny that you faced as a defensive minded coach mm-hmm. in this lead trying to get hired. And if you, if you do poorly, then your stock just plummets even more. You might not get another head coaching mm-hmm. job. Um, I think if I'm, if I'm the 49ers, they have done a very good job under Shanahan specifically of identifying young coaching talent. A guy like D'Amico Ryans stands out, mm-hmm. obviously. And there's a reason guys they've had as coordinators get hired elsewhere. Clint Kubiak, their, their quarterback's coach, just got hired as an OC in New Orleans. So if I were them, I'd try and identify someone younger that, you know, is, is – a, a guy who may be in five years a head coach, but is someone that's going to take that defense to the next level, not a retread as much. Uh, I, one that popped in my mind uh, kind of initially was Brian Flores, uh, just because, you know, he, he's had 10 years. He's been a head coach before. Uh, speaking of the head coach talk, I, I think that could be uh, a better place than Minnesota, especially right now, just because he's got the pieces already there. Uh, and if he could implement what he has uh, in the spots he's been uh, with finally some talent, I, I think he can get things done over there. Uh, now, as for Pete Carroll, Belichick, I, I don't see these guys coaching uh, in the league ever again, unfortunately. It, it, it hate I hate that – that sort of era of coach is gone, but uh, it's it's probably due time. Uh, as for Vrabel, uh, you know, I, I feel like he's one of those guys that, you know, if it came to it, uh, I don't think he'll be a head coach again. Just kind of like you said, Max, I, I don't think uh, most of these teams are going to be hiring defensive guys anymore just because, uh, you know, ev- everybody's looking for how many points can I put up uh, rather than how many points can I, uh, you know, keep these other teams uh, held at. Um, so thinking about Belichick, I don't think it'd be a right fit um, because he's another guy that focuses on coverage um, and and traditionally does a three three down front. Um, 49ers want to use you know stack the box. They want to play with a four down front. I don't think the Belichick thing would work in that sense. And also, um, I think his ego is too big to go anywhere as a coordinator at this point in his career. Um, and and that's on him. But I, I don't think he would he would go take a step down to Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Pete Carroll makes a little bit of sense for me. Um, he is a a, a um, San Francisco guy, grew up there, um, very familiar with California. Um, doesn't necessarily you know mean that he is an automatic fit there, but he does have uh, really good history with defenses. And I don't know, I, I think his time of being a head coach is over. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with taking a, a defensive coordinator job. And, and having opportunity to go win a Super Bowl. I think that'd still be a good opportunity for him. Um, I don't see him head coaching in the league again, but I think a defensive coordinator job would be um, a, a good fit for him, especially being from San Francisco. Um, now there are a couple more options they could go. Uh, Johnny Holland is the 49ers linebackers coach. He's been there since 2017, um, was a defensive assistant under Robert Sala, D'Amico Ryans, and uh, Wilkes Group. So this is a guy that's been there for a while, understands what it means to be a 49er and coach this personnel. Um, I think he'd be one of my top options. 
Um, and then really, you know, I, you bring up Vrabel. I think Vrabel's too big of a name to go be a defensive coordinator anywhere. I think he wants to be a head coach somewhere. Um, and I think he'll just wait for the upcoming head coaching cycle. Um, I, I think the 49ers will probably go internal here because they, they go outside the box and get the guy and get um, Wilkes from Carolina. It doesn't really work out. I think if they take a guy, um, you know, that's already been there, a little more of a natural fit in Johnny Holland, I think it might go a little bit better. Anything to add? Yeah, I'm just trying to think of guys that are more proven, that are outside guys that weren't, you know, Vrabel or some guy that probably is above that job. Ron Rivera comes to mind. Um, not saying that that would be someone I would advise them of hiring, but he's a guy that I'm sure <laughs> yeah. uh, his hat will be thrown in the mix. Um, I saw Dallas was interested in uh, Rex Ryan, I, but it kind of seems like he turned that down. So if he turned that down, I'm not sure if he'd really go anywhere at this stage of his career. Um, but those are two guys that are more proven commodities, for better or for worse, that come to mind that aren't necessarily glued to taking a head coaching job. You know, I heard another name float around, um, Chris Kiffin, Lane Kiffin's brother, um, hmm. Texans linebacker coach. Interesting. And uh, that was another name I saw floated around as well. Um, he spent two seasons in San Francisco, 2018-2019, um, followed Ryans over to Houston. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, I, I don't – I think, again, Belichick's too big of a name, too big of an ego. He won't go. I could see a fit with Pete Carroll if he was willing to, you know, settle down as a coordinator and finish out his coaching career and kind of ride into the abyss. Vrabel wants a head coaching job. I think the the safest route is to hire internally or hire guys that have been there under D'Amico Ryans, under Robert Sala, people that understand what it's like to coach for the 49ers. I think that's the best route. Um, and, and I don't know, they're – I, I can't see the, the the Rex Ryan thing at this point. Um, I, I mean, I don't even know if I'd, I'd want him coaching my defense. Um, and, and then what was the other one you mentioned? Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, another guy, a big name. I, I think mm-hmm. he's also past his prime. Um, I, I think going younger pays off. I mean, look at uh, Mike or Mike McDonald, you know, uh, from the Ravens. Uh, a younger guy, um, understands a little bit more uh, the, the modern NFL style, um, understands the analytics. I think a lot of these older coaches um, have a tr- have a hard time adapting to the new modern version of, uh, of football, um, and you s- you've seen that a couple of times now. Uh, Belichick was reluctant to adapt to the fact that you have to draft offensive weapons in, in the NFL draft to be mm-hmm. successful. You have to groom your quarterbacks to be successful. You can't just bring in a bunch of great defensive guys and expect to win games. It doesn't work like that. Um, Ron Rivera was unable to get anything going with Sam Howell, with, um, I guess if you want to throw Taylor Heineke into that mix, even though he's not a starter in this league. But um, his reluctance to really adapt to the modern age of football as well, I think you see that a lot now. Um, so I'd probably go younger, and if you can hire internally, I think that would be the best way to go. Where did Wink Martindale get hired? Michigan? Wink Martindale. Um, he was the old Giants D.C. that basically left on his own accord. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't get fired, he just left. And he's a guy that is very blitz-heavy, um, and has had success everywhere, he's, every stop in the NFL. Um, but I did see get hired so, somewhere else, Michigan, so I doubt he Michigan, would leave. But Michigan. that's a guy that came to mind that is a very aggressive-minded with a good track record, 
more so than a Rivera per se. Um, but I, I know he got hired somewhere. Michigan, that's a good hire for Michigan. That is. Not to be confused with Wink Martindale, the American DJ and radio personality. <laughs> that that sounds like a DJ, doesn't it? <laughs> Wink. I, I guess so. All right, let's head to the phones real quick. They're hot right now. 865-546-8200. Your number if you want to hop in and join us. We've got Joshy Boy on the line. What's up, Joshy? What's up, guys? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. William, uh, that was a good win for uh, my Lakers last night against the Jazz. Man, that was a nice win. Uh, a big night from Rui Hachimura, especially in that first half. Uh, 21 points in the first half, I believe. Really good night for him. And, and something I told you yesterday, Josh, you look, an opportunity for some of these other guys to get involved. Um, and, and that's exactly what happened last night. Big win. Yeah. So, uh, do you think uh, they are headed like in – the right direction, right in the all-star break. Like, you think uh, they'll probably get in the playing game, you think, well, right before now the season's over? Yeah, right now they're the nine seed behind Dallas. Uh, I'm not yeah. very high on Dallas. I think the Lakers roster is much better. Really, the Lakers roster, I think, is a, a top two or three roster in the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. They've just been so beat up. Um, so, I, I think they'll, they'll definitely make the play-in at the least. I, I think they'll make a run here. Um, like they usually do, LeBron-led teams usually do in the second half of the season. All veterans in this league kind of take the Januaries and Februaries off and gear up to rest their body and get going for the playoff push, which starts after the All-Star break. Um, I, I, I could see the Lakers getting up to a sixth seed um, if they get it going. Yeah. Now, uh, after this season, William, is Steph Curry a free, free agent? this year um, for State. you know Joshy, i don't know uh let me see because uh, i know there was talk and rumors of lebron maybe trying to get him to come to la after this season uh no curry's on the books till the 2026 season um, oh okay but uh lebron is a is a uh, i guess i think he's got a player option this summer mm, yeah um yeah but he if he were to opt out he can only make a set amount of money. Um, I think he could sign at the minimum a three-year, ninety-nine million dollar. I think that'd be the minimum he could take. Um, so I, I don't see LeBron going to Golden State. I think if there were one spot where he would go, um, it would be a team like New York um, that's got a little bit of a smaller payroll with a lot of younger guys on that group. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I mean. Golden State would have the money to be able to bring them in because of how much money they bring in revenue-wise, but they'd be way over the luxury tax. I think that'd also be a huge hit to his career, uh, going right. to the team that you know bounced him multiple times. Um, I know they're all at different points in their career. Klay Thompson's a shell of himself. Uh, Draymond Green is, is not as good of an offense. First NBA player with CTE, I think. Yeah. Draymond Green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> mean, um, Curry will always be great, but that team is deteriorating. Um, and if LeBron were to go there, I just don't see how that would fit, really. I mean, Curry and, and LeBron would be awesome to watch, but um, right. I, I just I think that would be an odd fit. They also have, I mean, um, you and I would be coming off the bench for them, Joshy. Yeah. So uh, what do you guys think about last night's Big win against Arkansas. Our boy uh, Jonas Adu with uh, twenty three and twelve and his seventh double double of the season. Yeah, um, his third most points as a collegiate athlete. Um, dazzling, eleven of fourteen from the floor. Um, new career high and makes in a game. Um, 
12 rebounds was really big. I thought he was really impactful last night. One of the things we talked about yesterday, Joshy, um, was the fact that um, Arkansas is really good right around the um, right around the cup inside the cylinder, shooting 66% on the season. Um, really a point of emphasis to make sure you lock that down. They did a really good job there and on the boards. Um, and then you got a lot of production. Uh, Jordan Ganey got involved. Adu got involved. Josiah Jordan yep. James got involved. Uh, as Max said earlier, a, a stat from Jordan Moore, uh, Vols are, what, 13-1 and one this year when Josiah Jordan-James goes for more than eight, um, and that, that suit follows last night as well. So, uh, good all-around win, um, hog-tying the Razorbacks, uh, impressive one. Yeah. So, uh, I know it was a big win last night, but does, like, the big win last night against Arkansas is there's some few things that they did wrong last night, you think, against Arkansas? My only negative really on that game would be just the continued lack of production from Santiago Vescovi. That's really the only thing um, that I can look at, knowing it was on the road, et cetera, that that I view as a negative. And I really think as a fan base um, and Rick Barnes collectively as a a staff as well, just kind of has to come to the realization how, you know, no matter how sad and kind of depressing it is that – that guy you just can't pencil in to give you uh, scoring on a nightly basis. I think you just kind of got accept the fact that he's probably the fifth scoring option in the starting lineup. And, yeah. you know, it's strange to see a guy regress in his fifth year. You know, I the only – I can kind of point it similar to Fulkerson a little bit at the end of his career yeah. where it kind of felt like he took a turn for the worse his last year. Um, but that's really the only negative I can find in that performance. What uh. If you were Barnes, would you guys possibly bench him and start maybe like Ganey to like kind of give him a wake-up call? No, I, I think benching him is not going to do anything for his confidence, especially at this point in the season where you're going to need him in a couple of these situations. And I know his production hasn't been great, but benching him is basically saying I'm giving up on you and I'm looking for other options. You can't do that to a guy that's been there for a while. Um, and I think Ganey's role is great off the bench, a guy that can come in and, and be instant offense in a situation where you need it. Um, so I, I think what they have right now works just fine. Um, I really think the only rotational move they could possibly make is maybe getting Estrella more involved um, by maybe putting a set out there with him and Adu both on the court, mm-hmm. giving him a little bit more size down low. I think that would be something to look at. But really that's the only rotational thing I could see. Yeah, I think you lose – the, the net gain or loss from replacing Vescovi with uh, Ganey is not enough for me. I think defensively, you lose. I mean, we saw AM. They They picked apart Ganey defensively. Vescovi, mm-hmm. at least you can count on the defensive end to give you quality minutes. And I don't think the, you know, maybe seven or eight more points Ganey scores in the offensive end is enough to offset that. Yeah, and I think if, if you were to replace him with another guard, it'd probably just have to be Meshack, just so you don't take that lapse on the defensive end. Because uh, believe it or not, Vescovy does make a difference on that defense. Like you said, uh, there there is a, a big margin whenever, you know, uh, guys like Ganey get out there. Uh, or if you put one of the freshmen out there, there there's a big difference than when Vescovy's out there uh, and being sort of like a – like an off-ball floor general, it feels like on the defense. Yeah, Ganey and Connect on the on the court for thirty plus minutes defensively to me would Yikes. pose some issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, with baseball season starting tomorrow for the Vols, what are you guys looking for forward tomorrow in tomorrow's game against Texas Tech? 
Yeah, well, well, first off, I think you know what you have in the infield, um, and, and Christian Moore is going to be sliding over uh, to the shortstop, mm-hmm. um, and um, that that was kind of the only question mark in the infield. Um, and then you've got a, a transfer from, uh, I think it's North Florida College. Oh, College of Central Florida. College, I know, yes, I know College of Central yeah. Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Key Lowry. Lowry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brad Key Lowry. Uh, moving to second base, he'll be over there. I think the really thing I'm, I'm looking for is uh, the outfield this year. A little bit unproven. Um, Kavaris Tears is the guy that can come in and be really big on the bat, hmm. really good arm, um, see what he can offer. Um, and then I think the biggest question for the weekend as a whole, who gets that day three start at pitcher? Uh, uh, Nate Sechrist is someone we've looked at. He was a midweek starter last year. You have a couple of transfers from Wichita State and Jacksonville State and a couple of really nice freshmen too. Be interesting to see who gets the ball on mm-hmm. Sunday um, and, and how you're able to start off the season the right way and build off of that. Uh, but, Joshua, we appreciate your call so much. Always great to hear from you. We've got to hit a quick break, however. Stay right here on Overtime. Are you ready to flash that dazzling smile? Well, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Our experienced team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve. From routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments, we've got you covered. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident, radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Call 865-539-1776 to schedule your appointment today or just visit KnoxvilleSmiles.com. When it's past high noon, it's time for a vodka soda made with a vodka you've actually heard of. I'm talking White Claw vodka soda made with White Claw premium vodka. J.B. Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. And you can too. Pick you up a bottle of the triple wave filtered vodka that's been distilled five times. White Claw Premium Vodka comes in four flavors. Black cherry, mango, pineapple, and just vodka. You haven't had vodka like this. No one has. White Claw Premium Vodka. Please drink responsibly. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz. A compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. And almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means this compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes, or tune up the heat, all you have to say is, hey Mercedes, this vehicle's all electric, the feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer or learn more at MBUSA.com slash EQB. That's MBUSA.com slash EQB. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. 
upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows, get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at northknoxsidingandwindows.com. Coming in hot to segment number two of hour number two here on Overtime. We appreciate you listening along with us. Uh, right before the break, uh, it was announced that FDU and LIU, uh, two basketball teams playing tonight, Fairleigh Dickinson, those that remember the upset against Purdue last year, um, they're currently in a delay because the Fairleigh Dickinson players are stuck in an elevator. Um, that is a very rare reasoning to delay a basketball game. We hope they are uh, able to get out. Um, however, there is some good news from today, and that's that EA Sports announced that college football is returning to the consoles, and they gave a little bit of a taste of what's coming this summer in a trailer today. Uh, EA Sports released a trailer video for EA Sports College Football 25, the official name of the new game. Um, in its updated Twitter bio, EA Sports also confirmed that the game is set to come out in the summer with a full reveal of the game set for May the official release date has not been announced, but it will likely be June, uh, July, excuse me, following suit with their previous releases um, back in the um, late, uh, or I guess early teens, uh, like 2013, 2014, etc. Um, the trailer, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch it, mm-hmm. the trailer featured several screenshots of different environments, including an unfinished model of Neyland Stadium. Looked very cool. I thought the cool thing about it was had the V-O-L-S mm-hmm. um, spell out on the second level, um, a part of the game as well. How excited are we for the return of college football to the console, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I'm pumped. Uh, I will say, not to be a Debbie Downer here, but Uh-oh. they didn't show any gameplay. So the, <laughs> That's very true. The, the video didn't do a ton for me that it's going to be ready when, when they say it's going to be ready. Um, I guess I'm just pessimistic that way, but uh, that didn't ensure me anything. Um, I, I generated some buzz though, which is good for EA Sports, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I'm pumped. I loved the the most recent iteration of it that we have. Uh, I, I think what makes college basketball as well. I don't know if you guys ever played the college yeah, basketball yep, games, yeah. but college sports video games so great in comparison to NFL, etc. Is the the dynasty modes and just like yeah. how enhanced they are recruiting like and i've you know played all the other sports games and done dynasty modes and it's after in like 2030 when you're seeing like you know mike trout retire in baseball you're like okay this it's time to stop this like all right i've I've gone too far um but with college it's never ending like you just keep playing um i am interested to see one thing is kind of what they allow how much control they're going to allow us in terms of like conference realignment mm, and bowl games yeah. and stuff like that. Cause I would love to get the game. And if I make a dynasty mode 
to make the conferences what I think the conferences should be, where mm. the Pac-12 still exists. I don't know yeah. if there will be an option for that in this game. So that's something I'm very intrigued about. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I mean, 11 years is such a long wait for uh, a game of, like, how popular it was and how popular it's been still with, like, the college football revamped stuff going on. Uh, I, I mean, I'm really excited. I, I don't have to sit there on my old Xbox 360 in the living room anymore. I can, I can pop it in the PS5 if I wanted to. Really excited for, for just that aspect, uh, growing the game a little bit here I guess you would call it but uh, I, I also have some questions just about how expansive it will be uh, you know will I be able to put Idaho in the SEC one day uh, if we see Idaho at all uh, or, or am I gonna just have to run like an old Dominion type uh, type deal here for Dynasty uh, I think one one mode that they had in like the uh, 2013 version was like the Heisman Challenge, which is where mm-hmm. they've got a list of a couple Heisman on there, and you can just put them in some random school, and you get one year to see if you can win the Heisman with them. I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's it's always a fun party mode with the mascot mashup too. Yeah. I saw I saw them doing some, uh, I guess, uh, dimensions on the on those uh, on the mascots. So excited to get that back in as well. Yeah, man, I'm very excited. Some of my best memories growing up were oh, yeah. were, were playing this game with friends, and, and this is something that um, you know every year it came out. You got your hands on it, and you played it all weekend. Um, and really, throughout the college football season, after the games were over at night, or after the SEC games were over, I'd, I'd hop on as a you know ten year old and hop on the Xbox 360 and fire it up. I used to I love Road to Glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've got like. Uh, so I've still got my Xbox 360 uh, here in Knoxville now. I, I've updated the rosters to where we can play with the you know updated yeah. teams. Um, but I was looking at it a couple months ago and looking at all my saved files. I've got like <laughs> uh, William Patterson quarterback at Purdue, William Patterson quarterback <laughs> at Arkansas, um, and just all these random schools. It was just fun. And, and one of the things I do is. Um, you could edit the teams you played in high school. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, um, you could make it like would, all the teams you used to play. Yeah, so oh. I'd edit it to like uh, my high school schedule and do the t- the colors of the team and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'd act like it, it was awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about it. Um, around my house, as of late, we've been playing it a ton, um, and and we uh, have some you know money wagers on the games. Well, it gets intense. It's fun, um, <laughs> but I'm really excited. It's it's a part of our childhood. Now we get to as 20-year-olds get to relive it again and, and act like, you know, we're 10-year-olds with our only worry in the word, world is getting our spelling homework done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's fun. I'm really excited for it. My only questions about it, um, I'm not a huge fan of Madden. I think the animations are a little bit clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested. I know it's on the same engine as Madden, but I'm interested to see um, what it looks like and how it plays. Um, a couple of the screenshots today were really, really cool. Just the amount of detail and amount of technology we have now to make these things look so real like you could see the the individual threads on some of the jerseys just really cool stuff now obviously um you know there's been a lot of doubt of if it will come out they said in the trailer today they actually put some of the comments of people saying it's never going to come out and they debunked them they said it's coming out so we'll have to see um but I would have liked to see a finished product instead of uh, a bunch of pixels and and, right and um (laughs) I don't know. It looked like a, um, a, what is it called? Like a module or a chromosome of some of the things we were mm-hmm. looking at. Um, but I'll ask this. You know, sometimes when things come back, it, it has a lot of nostalgia and aura around it. And then when it finally comes back, it's it kind of dies down quickly. Uh, will the new game carry the same aura as previous titles? Or is this something that comes out, everyone gets excited about, and just kind of lose interest in it, Max? 
You know, I, I think that's a very fair question to ask just because of the fact that, you know, it has all this aura because it hasn't been made in 12 years or however long it's been, and that sets a really high bar. And mm. if it's like Madden, then I think people will take issue to it. People will still play it, don't get me wrong, but then the second year might not be, you know, might be like, oh, I don't really need to get the next one. What's, you know, mm. it, it wasn't that. That's like how I am with Madden. But the other part of me says because they haven't made it in 12 years, it's going to be really good because of the fact that it's all brand new. Madden mm-hmm. is basically just going off. It's the reason the game has been the same for, what, seven years now? Because they're yeah. going off the same, you know, engine, everything. They're just tweaking the rosters, really. Um, so I'm hopeful. And like I said, I think there's some nuances that they got to work through just to make it feel. Because I also think part of it is probably 70% of the people that play it aren't playing it for the detail as much. You know, they don't care right. if Arizona is playing in the Pac-12 or the Big 12 in mm-hmm. it, you know. Then there's another 20% that it's like, no, I want this to be, you know, as realistic as possible, etc. So I'm curious to see which part of their uh, demographic they try to appease more. Yeah, I, I think it's just sort of a big pressure because, I mean, this has been something that's been, uh, you know, asked for since uh, the NIL news broke back in, like, 2021. Like, hey, this is something that's back on the table. I can't wait to get my hands on this thing. Uh, so th- there's some expectations to live up to. And like you said, uh, most of the people that still play it aren't in it for, like, how good the game looks. They're more in it for how the game plays, uh, what you can do, and just how expansive you can be with it. I, I think that's the main pressure here uh, for EA is being able to, you know, cater to that sort of audience. I mean, personally, I also really don't care how it looks. I mean, if, if it looks like it, it comes out of 2014, sure, yeah, I'll play it. If, if it plays like it did back in the day, uh, but, but with some updated things, you get new teams in there. I mean, just thinking of that, I mean, are we going to see FCS enter the game back into it? Because, like, it, it was in the game. No like FCS the, Midwest or FCS Yeah, South. yeah, like, like <laughs> yeah. Put, put some actual teams in there because I remember playing, like, NCAA, like, 07 or something like that, and I could play with the Skyhawks of, of UTM. So uh, I feel like that would be a fun thing to look into as well. Now, I don't think they'll get that expansive, but uh, – with that on the table, I mean, it, it's it's going to be really hard to mess up and not please everybody. I, I have a question before you, you give your answer, William. Are they, because of NIL, allowed to use real players now? They should be. I think so. Well, okay, so that's the that's one of the things uh, I was going to I was gonna answer his um, talk about the, the FCS team. So, um, in, in terms of the players, um, every player is set to make the same amount, um, which has also caused some drama as well mm-hmm. because they're like, well, if Caleb Williams is making the same amount as, um, you know, no stray intended here to uh, Joe Schmo, Gaston well, Moore, Gaston yeah. Moore, <laughs> is if it, then that's unfair. But at the same time, uh, they're getting paid and they're not doing anything but you know sitting on their couch and watching someone digitally upload their name and, and likeness to a video game. So I see both sides. Um, so they're only paying, I think, the first and second team players for mm-hmm. every for all 134 teams that opt in um and i think notre dame was one of the teams that originally did not opt in uh, they were shown in the video today so it seems like they have opted in um so they're doing the 134 fbs teams now they say the goal long term is to get the fcs ones involved mm-hmm. as well there we go. Um, but at the moment this year will just be the 134 and it'll be their likeness will be in the game i don't know if it's going to have their nameplate like 
Ollie Gordon, running back for uh, for Oklahoma State. I don't know if it's going to say Gordon. Very well, it could just get, say HB number zero. Um, but it's really the same thing. And obviously, people will go in and edit it and put the names on the mm-hmm. back. Um, but I think it would be cool if they did offer that. Um, to me, I think it will carry the same aura when it first comes out. Everyone will be excited to mm-hmm. play. Um, I think a lot of these things go – as you know, what is the gameplay like? Is it appeasing to players? Is it something you can pick up and play long term? Um, and I think if they want to continue to make this franchise last, I think there are a lot of different things they could do uh, differently than they do with Madden. I think one thing would be adding in different broadcast teams. ESPN oh, yeah. ESPN's going to be the one on here, and they were uh, for a majority of, of the um, previous title. Uh, but adding in like Gus Johnson and Joel Clapp for Fox, that'd be really cool. Um, adding in uh, um, uh, Brad Nessler, Brad Nessler and Gary there. Danielson on CBS. Adding in those guys, I think, would be really cool. Freshens the game up, keeps it new. Um, and also, I think another battle with college football that they win over Madden is a lot of these teams have a lot of new jerseys every year. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, the people want to see those new jerseys and play with them. Um, for instance, like, you know, if you uh, log into NCAA 14 right now, you can't play with Ole Miss's powder blue uniforms or those – uh, stupid, you know, white and blue uh, camo ones. Camo yeah, ones. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the jersey changeups are big as well. Um, I think it will carry the same aura, but it depends on what they do um, with the game after it drops, and that will depict uh, how many players stay and, and how long there's engagement. I think that's with every game. Max, you want to add something? Second question real quick. Will it be – will this game be the rosters for the upcoming season or upcoming. based on the pa- – okay. Upcoming. I wasn't sure that was yeah. going to work. Uh, upcoming year. So, like, Caleb Williams and Drake May won't be in it. No. Probably not, yeah. Um, but they are doing uh, an ultimate team kind of thing, which does scare me um, because that usually means a money grab. But they are also picking up likenesses of former players, and likely they're going to do this through the NFL – um, where they have the NFL rights already. They're able to put it in the game here. So you'll get players like, um, I don't know, like a Reggie Bush or something. You're able to use him. You're able to use Caleb Williams. You're able to use Drake May in the ultimate team situations. And maybe they have all-time teams as well, like an all-time USC team. Um, That'd be fun. All-time Florida team, all-time Tennessee team. I, th- I think those would be really cool as well. All right, let's hit a quick break real quick. Uh, drama in the booth. We'll talk about. Uh, We'll talk about uh, Fox Sports and what they're going to do possibly with Tom Brady coming on board in the booth right here on Overtime. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz, a compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. And almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means this compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes or tune up the heat, 
All you have to say is, hey, Mercedes. This vehicle's all electric. The feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer or learn more at MBUSA.com slash EQB. That's MBUSA.com slash EQB. Making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science. You just got to start with a better vodka. And then voila, you get White Claw Vodka Soda. Your taste buds are about to get a PhD in deliciousness. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all-new White Claw Vodka Soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and 2 grams of sugar. White Claw Vodka Soda. Please drink responsibly. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. Back here on Overtime, rounding out a great Thursday night. Uh, let's talk about some drama possibly in, in the announcing booth. Uh, after Tom Brady announced that he was hanging up the cleats, it was confirmed that the seven-time Super Bowl winner would take his football knowledge to the broadcast booth for Fox Sports, signing a 10-year, $375 million contract. Um, Fox has not offered any specifics as to what they have planned uh, for the 2024 season in terms of assignments, uh, but Brady has repeatedly said he will join the network for the season. Um, Fox Sports officials, including the production group of the top team, are working under the premise that the top analyst job is Brady's when he arrives. Now, as a result, this could mean a shakeup for Greg Olson, who's uh, filled the role as Fox's top analyst over the last two seasons when Joe Buck and Troy Aikman joined ESPN. Um, how do you think Tom Brady will perform in the booth, Max? You know, I, I'm not sure how he will do in the booth. I do know that I feel like Greg Olson's got a little bit of a raw de- deal here because he wasn't as good of a player. Mm. They're yeah. kind of relegating him despite the fact that I thought he passed with flying colors as yeah. a yeah. color guy. Um, really enjoyed his commentary. And it seems like it has will have a better staying power than Tony Romo's per se. Yeah. You know, mm. Romo is kind of the new hot thing. Oh, he, he can predict a play. And then it was like once that aura kind of wore it's off. It's really annoying. It It's, yeah, and his, you know, caricatures, his mannerisms kind of gotten uh, more Jim, annoying. Oh, yeah, Jim, <laughs> I don't know. He, he ruined that Super Bowl call. Yeah. That last play and ruined it. I feel like Greg Olson's not going to have that problem. So if I'm Greg Olson, I'm saying my stock's high. Where can I shop myself? Because 
what they're paying Tom Brady, he's going to be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. They're paying him some insane amount of money. They're not giving him that to be calling Cardinals Panthers at 405. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's there for America's game of the week. Mm-hmm. I think he can be the the thing for me that would make Tom Brady a good announcer. His football acumen's through the roof. He's going to be able to discuss quarterback play like nobody else. Um, he knows the game really well. He has played recently enough that I feel like he understands it well as well and knows how the league is. Um, is can he make himself personable? Because I feel like right. we all kind of view Tom Brady on this pedestal yes. of the best quarterback yes. ever. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, he's kind of always been a little private, mm-hmm. uh, especially playing with the Patriots, where that's kind of the Patriot way. So can he kind of break out of his shell a little bit and be a little more personable, have a little more. Uh, personality to him yeah. sure. he always kind of struck me as a little awkward like you said not not really uh much of a talker and I mean the only time we really saw him uh, off the field for some time was that little like documentary they did like Tom versus time and even that he was a little weird uh I, I remember you know <laughs> I hate to bring it up kissing the sun on the mouth you know that's, oh, that's just a little a little weird you know but uh Besides that, uh, I, I think he'll do all right. Uh, like you said, I, I feel like he just needs to get in the groove a little bit. Now, I, I don't think that he should take over Olsen because, like you said, Ols- Olsen's just felt like the man there. It feels like he fits perfectly with how they run things, uh, and he's really good at it. Uh, I, I think they should – do a couple more years of Olsen uh, as the number one guy, see how Brady pans out, uh, and then probably make your move then. But uh, if if I'm Olsen right now, knowing that my job is about to get taken and I bring a lot to the table, why not go out and see what you can do? Some of these color guys I kind of view as as guys you could go have a beer with and watch a game, right? Mm -hmm. Tony Romo um, kind of approaches it like he's had a couple too many beers. Uh, Greg Olsen is a guy I think is very calm, um, offers great insight, um, and, and enjoyable voice, enjoyable presence, a guy you'd like to go watch a game with. Um, I feel almost as if Tom Brady is such a big name, it's almost intimidating to the viewer mm-hmm. uh, to listen to him, and we've really never seen a personable side to him either. Um, now, I know he did, a, he did a Mr. Beast video last year. He, um, <laughs> you know, he has the day where, um, you know, the, where he's tossing the trophy back from a boat uh, those kind of moments are funny, and it's time. But the way I look at it, are you gonna are you gonna be able to listen to this guy for three hours on a Sunday, and are you gonna be engaged with what he's saying, and are you gonna enjoy it? I love hearing from Greg Olson. I think he's informative. I think he's very soothing to listen to, and I don't think he mucks up the game. Uh, Tony Romo, I actually think is funny, um, and I know the shtick's kind of getting old, especially after the the, the Super Bowl. But I do enjoy him. Um, but sometimes he does. He goes a little too far. Greg Olson's never done that. And I think Greg Olson's kind of getting the short end of the stick here. I thought he's done a, a great job, especially following up Joe Buck, who's an award-winning guy, and Troy Aikman, who's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. That was a really good tandem. And they were able, him and Kevin Burkhart, and Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart were able to come in and, and really do a, as good of a job. Um, so I don't know. And a lot of it, too, and I wanted to mention this um, real quick, a lot of broadcasting is your chemistry uh, with your uh, with your co-host, with your partner. Um, we saw a little bit of the chemistry not really mesh well on Sunday between Nance and Romo, and I think a lot of the reason um, for that is because Romo likes to kind of gag on a lot. Um, I think Burkhart and Olsen have a really good one-two punch. Um, you know, Olsen knows when it's his time to talk, knows when he's, it's time to shut up, and they flow off each other well. Um I don't know. Chemistry is something you build over time. I don't know if Brady has the personality right now to be able to mesh right away. 
with, with, a, with a guy coming on. So it'll be interesting to see. I'd love to see Greg Olson still remain um, on there as frequent as possible. Um, but I think when you're paying a guy $375 million, you didn't pay him, as you said, uh, to talk about the, the Raiders and Bears game at 425. You know, so um, I, I think he's getting the short end of the stick. I hope he stays around. But it'll be cool listening to Brady uh, like it is listening to the Manning cast, two guys mm-hmm. that are really good at playing quarterback, know what they um, are seeing out on the field. I think it'll be interesting in, in that light as well. All right, that's going to wrap us up here on Overtime. Jace Brown, Max Pennell, William Patterson, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the Vols matchup with Vanderbilt and also talk about the Lady Vols in South Carolina. Thank you so much for tuning in. Signing out.